and we're live. Welcome to it's a, wait shit. Fuck. <laughs> wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. Thanks for hanging out. I'm Alan. I'm Bear. And we're hanging out. Yeah, and we still don't have an intro, but you can find us on on Patreon. You can give us a buck an episode. We'll really appreciate it. You can find us on Facebook. We're all over the place. What's been going on, man? So much. You, My crowdfunding we were, campaign okay. just hit 25%, man. We're $3,000 of our 12000 so this I is my have, first so crowdfunding I'm, campaign. So I'm going to treat you like a guest. I've got some questions about that. Because you've been sharing the results with me. How much money have you made? 3000 We made 3000 mm-hmm. in three days. All right. So how long does it run? Is there a cap? Yep. The 30th. April 30th. April 30th. 3000 three days. So if this were a Kickstarter, I'd be worried. Do you need to make the total 12000 to make the uh, to get it? Um... Pretty much. Within a certain range, we have someone that said that they will help us finish, mm-hmm. but we so got to reach a certain point first. If you make 5000 do you have to give all the money back? No. With crowd, with this platform, you don't have to give any money back. Okay. So even if you only ever make 3000 you get all 3000 Right. That's right. correct. So... But I believe CrowdRise is only for nonprofits, so... That's what I was going to ask, is... There is, to me, a huge difference in crowdfunding via Kickstarter or crowdfunding via donation base. Uh, and to extrapolate on that, I think, you know, if I walk up to, let's say, a Walmart and they do the thing at the end where they're like, would you like to give a dollar to, to St. Joseph's or whatever? And you're like, oh, of course I would. But then if Walmart were like, would you like to give a dollar to us? You'd be like, no, I would not. Of course not. No. Never. So I feel like donation to nonprofits or good causes is kind of an immediate yes for a lot of people. Does, you would that, think. Mean that, does that mean that you have to advertise less? Because I think it does. I, I've i taken um, a different approach to how I advertise the campaign where the past two months I set social media up to kind of be storytelling for the facility and these two weeks, every I'm, I'm tuning every story into kind of defining high hopes. We have all these great videos from a year ago of how the place operates and quotes from parents. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm just tying all of that into the storytelling. And I'm not making it specifically about crowdfunding, but I'm linking to the crowdfunding in the storytelling. Right. And that's been pretty effective. I mean, we... It's interesting you say it's immediate yes for some people, but only some. And you think more people would be willing to give just a dollar, but our minimum, the lowest we've gotten is $10. And I think we've probably gotten 500 views on the crowd rise, 600 views, somewhere in between there, and only 23 donations, 24. Okay. So how many people, what's your, what's your highest reward what's what's your highest donation that you've gotten are they on average like the hundreds or thousands now i would the average person donates between 10 and 25 dollars we've had 500 dollar donation and we've had thousand dollar donation if those are obviously larger parties is donating to high hopes considered donate donating to a charity like can you write it off on your taxes absolutely we are 501 okay uh, yeah yeah, 
No, I just wanted to establish the difference. I'm not attacking it. I swear to God. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's um, it's been weird crowdfunding for something like this, where you see on Kickstarter, of course, there's actual physical products and that's uh, more targeted, and there's a lot more advertising involved. Where here, you can really play a nonprofit. You can play as much as you want. Well, yeah, I feel like I'll, there's actually going to be. Now that I'm done picking at it, there's, to me, going to be a lot of crossover. You know, you look at NPR's model, where it's like, or Wikipedia's model, where it's like, we're giving you all this anyway. Just kind of donate to us. We're not going to give you anything back. Right. Give it here. And it it seems to be working out. Wikipedia's still up. Um, last I checked. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, usually if it's something people care about, they'll give money anyway. Do you find that to be true as long as they know what they're giving money to? I find that to be true. And I like that you say they, they know what they're giving the money to because that was my prime directive when I started this job was we have to tell everyone what happens here, mm -hmm. like detail for detail. And that once people understand, they're definitely much more willing to give no matter what the product is. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those scenarios where and and more Kickstarters really need maybe not Patreons, but I feel like more Kickstarters need to do this. Make a a little pie chart that shows. I mean, you're basically doing that with the stories. You could even say something like, you know, every dot every the first thousand dollars goes to hiring a new teacher or something like that. Right. Uh, but so, how are you breaking those costs down for people? So in them what they're giving their money to. In this case, we're halfway through construction on an expansion that doubles our square footage. Mm -hmm. So the construction is already started. This crowdfunding is all the money is going straight into the construction account. So I've kind of I've got a general setting to play with. I already have construction that's going on that I can document and send out updates on. We already have a building that's pretty much complete. We have one more that's halfway. Um, so it's a lot easier to direct people and show them, you know, this is something that's actually happening. Your money is going straight to pay off the loan for it. And these are the kids that are going to fill the halls once it's done. Mm -hmm. So your, what strikes me about nonprofits is that your entire model is actually crowdfunding. Writing grants is a form of crowdfunding. Right. Everything. Cause um, you're just asking, you're always asking for money in some I, shape. Right. I share an office with um, a de our development coordinator, and she is in charge of finding all of the money and writing all of the grants. And it is daily she is writing grants and constantly searching for people to donate. Right. So really what you're doing here is a sort of drive for a particular cause. Like you're always crowdfunding. Right. What you're doing this right now is just... We accept donations all year, but this You're, is a push, a targeted push for a certain amount of money. Just to say, we know we have this much paid for now. We're good. All mm. oh, right, because you're so yeah. So you're basically, I don't know what you would call it. You're uh, it's a push. Uh, you you're always asking for. I don't know. I feel like that is. I don't know if there's a name for it, but that's the way that these things should actually go. I don't think that people people running a Kickstarter shouldn't be relying on that one Kickstarter. I feel like you should always be asking for money, and then the Kickstarter needs the push, you know? Which I'm not an expert. 
I probably shouldn't be talking about this at all. <laughs> well, I like I like your point, and I think it can be related to artists that already have a following and have built a big portfolio of work or have some work behind them that people enjoy, and mm -hmm. eventually they're able to say, okay, well, now I've done all of this start. I've begun this project, but I really, I'm going to finish it, and I need your help to finish it. You've, you've followed me this far. Now we're here. Let's push to the end. Support this, and I'll print the book. You know someone who's really good at uh, promotion is The Rock? <laughs> the Rock. <laughs> well, look at him. I've been looking. I've been following The Rock for a while. He does everything amazing. And there's a quote somewhere that I heard that's like, uh, someone was yelling at someone else and was like, geez, man, sell your brand. And that's really what he's very good at. He's never off track. He's not telling you something you don't need to know. He's always creating this. Everything that he does tracks back to the clothes he's wearing or the food he's eating or the stuff he's using in some way, while also showing you how great his life is and how grateful and thankful he is to his fans. Like, it seems like something when you watch him do it, it's like, oh, he's very easily just crafting this thing. It's very calculated. Exactly. And that's something that you're doing with these stories is you're creating a brand. You're weaving a net and you're just trying to catch followers and supporters. Right. With every little uh, post, every breadcrumb, every link back to your brand, that's the net. Mm. I feel like there's a world where the best way to do what you're doing is to show pictures of the construction for like a whole year leading up to the crowd, the, the crowdfunding push. And then after people have seen what cool stuff the construction is doing or, or, or what it can accomplish, then you throw out the crowd push. It's like leaving little candies. Right. We had, so conceptually we had a long debate about what to make the crowdfunding campaign about because Construction seems kind of general. It's already happening. Very boring. Very boring. And we've already talked about it. We've already made updates about it. We have blog posts about it every month. But the other hand, what I really wanted to do was the construction loan doesn't pay for anything that goes in the building. So the idea is to make your crowdfunding concept very specific. You know, we wanted to say we need X amount of money to buy tables, chairs, desk everything for the kids to use and sit in. And I think that would have caught on a lot harder and a lot more like wildfire, but uh, director shot that idea down and wanted to focus just on the kids. That's not a bad idea. Not at all, and it's still very successful. Right. I think that your idea would have worked out better, but her idea, you definitely don't want to turn what you're doing into a materials-based brand of any sort. No, because then you have, you know, she's thinking about incoming parents and incoming students. They want to see that their kids are being represented. So, I mean, you do have these gatekeepers of sorts into your ideas, but it's not a bad thing because you're also representing a uh, essentially a, uh, a base that's already there. Right. So this uh, the money that you're getting. I had a really good question. The money that you're getting, I mean, people don't get anything for it. No. Why do they give you money? Because 
A, we are unique in that there's not another place in the state of Tennessee that is an inclusive preschool and kindergarten and a pediatric therapy clinic. B, not many schools have the inclusive model where special needs and typical students are interacting together. Mm-hmm. And C, uh, it's just the atmosphere and community of the place. It's, um, you know, it's one of those things where you say, why is this artist successful and this one not? Well, it's just the way that they interact with people, the way that they handle their business and their professionalism. I mean, so do the parent parents don't pay money to send their kids there? It is on a case by case basis. There's some parents that pay full tuition. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some parents that have scholarships, financial aid. Um, the clinic side works with insurance companies, blah, blah. Okay. But so, no one, we cover all the cost on the clinic side outside of insurance. So are the, the $3,000 you've earned so far, is that mostly coming from the parents? It's coming from all over. Parents, um, alumni of our facility, um, people in the community that are connected to it somehow. What gets me is, you know, when we talk about Wikipedia, Wikipedia is something that everyone kind of actively uses. And then when they ask for money, it's like, okay, I could give you a dollar. But your school is not something that everyone can actively use. They're just supporting it. So there's a disconnect for me there. I understand that. It's it's, not... it's it's hard. It's definitely hard to market because it's a very specific thing, and like you're saying, not everyone is involved with it. Um, I think where we make that connection is a lot of families have a family member or a friend or someone in their church or community that they've interacted with that's disabled or has a disability, and they see that and recognize it and want to support. You know, whatever helped them get the quality of life that they have now. Yeah. So do you really lean on that? I mean, do you show a picture and you're like, your your stepbrother is autistic, give us money? No, that not at all. Cruel. <laughs> but I think that's the reasoning. It's it's not guilt that's in the behind. It. Well, I feel like guilt, not guilt, guilt and responsibility mixed together is the driving factor, and then you have to find ways to bring that out. I right? would say there's a difference between showing a crying maimed person in a wheelchair being upset in the dark and showing children at play some of them disabled some of them not or maybe just pictures of disabled children doing what they do at high hopes or wherever and there's not a guilt factor there it's just showing that we're providing quality of life and we're a nonprofit. and if you feel like supporting that then do it if not that's fine too we're getting along either way all right i get it no i like it so you're I like it because it's really leaning away from the um, feed the children approach of showing you terrible things and being like, don't you feel guilty about this? Please give us money. I always hated that. Um, yes. It definitely worked. It. I don't like that it worked. Well, <laughs> that for me, that ties into two things. I wanted to go back and make a note about Kickstarter and artist and whoever. I, I really hate the campaigns where it's, I'm making this money, money, money. And every post is just money, 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 money. And even NPR, like my local station just had their spring drive time and they interrupt the broadcast for 30 minutes every hour to tell you we're, we're taking donations. We're so close. We, we really need you now to make this d- deadline. And they make it all about the money instead of 
what's happening and and that's what people the consumer wants they don't want you they don't want the guilt they don't want to know about the money they just right. want to see what's happening and if they want to give they're going to give npr is the greatest current crowdfunding thing that exists in our time if there's something else that's doing it better i don't know what it is <laughs> but npr literally stays running from their their lights on from people supporting them and and people pay them free i mean sometimes they give out a bag or something but uh i donate to npr i listen to them all year long yeah if it's something you're actively using then you usually support it um and they're good about it. I, I like where you came from in saying like you're you're not trying to make anyone feel anything. You're just saying we need you right now. Don't you want to give us? You know, can you give us some some a dollar? We, um, pretty much all nonprofits operate at a loss every year, and people don't think about that. They don't think about a nonprofit has to get down and beg every day for money. Right. When we when we send out an advertisement, you know, it's because we actually have to, or else <laughs> that's it. I heard this really interesting thing once. Um, it might have been on NPR. It was the statistic: if everyone in America, if you gave to charity the same amount that the total Americans spend just at Walmart. On Christmas decorations in November, you could literally cure world hunger for the next five years. I would believe that. If instead of buying Christmas decorations in the month of November at whatever you spend at Walmart, you instead spent it on the hungry and homeless, you would fix those problems. And that's something that, you're right, a lot of people don't think about that number. How much money does it actually cost to feed everyone in the world? Probably like a dollar a person. Yeah. It's just being aware. Right. <laughs> but work talk leads me into more fun talk where I can say this job is this job and the work I've done before has led me to three um, requests for website work. Okay. Three in individual requests outside of work. So you're making, you mean making people's websites or updating them or what? Making them from bottom up. Okay. What are they? Can you open up some doors here? I can. One is for a party truck service in Nashville. All right. Um, one is for a uh, t-shirt company in Nashville. Mm. And the third one, I have no idea. Okay. But so you got an email from a nameless person. <laughs> Oh, it's someone I'm meeting next week to discuss okay. the details. They just said website, and they talk about the details in person. So, right, we'll iron that out. So, when you build website, how how many websites have you built so far? Um, let's see, eight, I'm at eight right now. So, when you build websites for people, do you require them to put that it was built by you with like a link to your site at the bottom or something? Or um, you, is it for free? No, I don't. I don't yeah, like no that. Promotion. Yeah, because I don't. I won't. I don't like for my website to say, you know, powered by Squarespace at the bottom. I right. hate that. Yeah, yeah. 
That's one of the things, like, there's a point where the services you provide have to be away from your name. If you're hiring someone to mow your lawn, you don't let them put a sign in your lawn that says, taken care of by James. And so there's, or if you fix your windows, wash your car, you're, you, you, the things that you own and pay for can't be a walking advertisement. It has to come from word of mouth at a certain point, right? I, I sign my illustrations and uh, make sure that somewhere in the product it says, you know, this art was done by Alan. That makes sense to me. Uh, well, it's like when I make these people's websites, they're going, someone's going to ask them, hey, who made your website? And they're going to tell them. Right, because it's something that everyone needs. It's kind of this commodity that's never, it's become this commodity that's never going to go away. Everyone will eventually need a website. Not everyone, well, but, but most people. It's interesting, because as I've become more confident in my website skills, and now that I do it in my daily job, and people know about that, mm -hmm. um, it's, the requests have gone up in my... Um, Gosh, what am I trying to say? I have no idea. Your inbox? Uh, yeah, my inbox is blowing up, but uh, 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 I lost my train of thought. Keep going. <laughs> no, so you said you were saying before the show that you got this from basically doing uh, free work before. Yes, that's what we were leading into. Damn, how could I forget that in a matter of seconds? Um, So uh, three or four of the websites I did last year were pretty much pro bono. Mm -hmm. And everyone says, no, no, don't, don't do work for advertisement or whatever for free. But uh, slipping one or two in is okay, especially if you do a good job and it's a business that you like and want to support. And, of course, those are in my portfolio and would have led me to uh, what I have now. I don't right. think I would have gotten asked if I didn't have the web portfolio to start with. Right. And you're never going to do anything. <laughs> okay, this is going to be controversial. I don't think you're going to do anything valuable until someone starts paying you for it. Or, yeah. or until you know that it's going to lead to a form of money. I think that there's things that you do that are personal. Oftentimes, those things don't actually lead to money. Oh, uh no and i want to clarify that um that's tying the value of art and to money as far as illustration goes website stuff for me that's not about art that's all about money yeah it's a service right when, when someone pays you for something it's also a service if i buy a painting that you did the work that you did became a service that you did Right, but you can make art of value without it being sold. Yeah, definitely. Okay. To I just wanted extent. to clarify that point. Don't I feel <laughs> like yeah, art is valuable without being sold. It's also something that's important to realize and a rule that goes without saying if you I, I feel like trying to debate that would be uh, kicking a dead horse. Nobody needs to debate that. It just is in existence. However, being able to enjoy art without paying for it is near impossible. There is in some way that you're paying for everything. If you're using Google Images to per, to look at uh, a Bernini, then you're paying for your internet. At least. They're selling your data. 
they're selling your data. They're showing you ads in some way, shape, or form. Google definitely taking in the analytics. I mean, you're always paying for something in some way. It's it's almost like dating. Have you heard the thing that's like even if even if you uh, have a girlfriend, you're still paying. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> all all business and art is just dating, right? For me. Um, no, yeah, there's this really bad thing out there about self-promotion. Uh, I shouldn't have said, I think, that uh, all that no art is inherently personal, or, or all your personal art won't get you paid. There's things that you do, but if it's a really a personal piece, it's not going to get you seen, because you're not going to show it to anyone. If you paint something for yourself, and then put it into a portfolio, can you truly say, deep down inside, that you didn't paint that in order to get more work there's people with patrons that have the ability to do that now in their careers but beforehand probably could not have achieved that um in some way shape or form they were paying it forward uh, the idea of promotion being bad is wrong because Everyone well, in, in the world has paid for, uh, most creators have paid at this point for some form of Facebook advertising or Instagram advertising. That's basically the same thing as doing work for free for a promotion because you got that, somebody earned that money somewhere. You earned it somehow and then you put it towards your own promotion. How is that actively different from working in order to promote yourself on the cover of somebody's book? I grant you that sometimes if someone doesn't have the money to pay you, they often don't have the money or means to promote you and don't have a large audience base. However, if it's something that you believe in and something that you were already going to be doing anyway, then you may as well do it for free if you're not actively being pursued for paying gigs. Wayne Reynolds worked very, very cheaply for Paizo and Pathfinder for years because it was something he was already painting. And then he turned around and said, now if you want to keep my imagery, which I've used to create your brand, you have to pay me more. If Wizards of the Coast contacted me tomorrow and said, we'll pay you $20 for a magic card, I would immediately take that. Because at this point in my personal career, that promotion would be worth more, I feel, than the $1,800 I would be missing out on. Right. It's It's a... It's an investment. <laughs> it's an investment in yourself without spending any money. It's right. just time and effort. It's like you're saying about your websites. My my career where it is now is totally based on the idea of me working for promotion. When I was and, in college doing fantasy work, Alex contacted me and was like, "I want to do a publishing company," and I was like. <laughs> cool, you can use some of my paintings for it. And then I started painting things for his books. They went on the cover and somebody called me and was like, I'll pay you this much money to work for me. And that's exponentially grown since then. Without, without his book covers to spread the word of my art, it would have been astronomically more difficult to do it on my own. Exactly. Because and to the thing we were talking about, about lining up with something, like I talked about, what if you were to contact a local winery for your product to put your paintings on it? Why don't you just do that for free? I'm not saying you should, but why not? Because they're just going to throw your work out into the world. I absolutely believe in any 
opportunity to capitalize on free marketing because ad space is insanely expensive. And besides, if you're a good painter, what's doing one small illustration for uh, a company for free like that, like you're talking about, or for a discounted price or whatever? It's one painting. I don't think do a small painting. I think if you're going to do work for free and it lines up, knock the shit out of that painting. Make it the greatest painting you have ever done. And if it has to be for free or for cheap, do that. And then what you're going to do is your work is going to single-handedly make that product more popular. And you can up your prices next time when that company needs you to make them more money. Like it's, it's, it's a, I think that if you can bite the bullet long enough for the cheap payment, then it's an exceptionally good business model. You do so, things, things like books don't exist without the art on the cover or the design on the cover. If you do that in such a way to where the brand of that title becomes so dependent upon the work that was on it, then they will, they will infinitely pay you money to grow that brand. If they make a million dollars off that book, with your art on it, they're going to want your art again. Yes. And they'll and from, be able to pay you more. Make it successful. Don't do shitty work. From a pa practical standpoint, maybe you're an amateur artist grinding it out in the studio, just painting fan art or whatever you're interested in or whatever you need for your portfolio. How easy is it to get a prompt from someone and just read from that, paint it, make it the best it can be? That, that's a break from work, I think. Yeah, I feel like there's hundreds. Okay, I don't feel like I know from conventions, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of authors out in the world that are trying to write books, trying to get them self-published or published somewhere. And they've printed out a little short story. And you know what they need for that is they need art for the cover. If you can find somebody whose story or idea matches up with your art, just do it for them. Because that's double the reach that you can hit on by yourself. And especially as I've gotten more headfirst into Facebook advertising, social media advertising, Google AdWords, um, you know, you can't, you cannot compete. The only way you can compete is to do what we're talking about. Yeah, um, most of the people who are saying don't do work for promotion only are people who came into their own in the 70s and 80s when you could still buy a house with blue-collar jobs. We don't live in that world anymore. Sorry. Well, you have to think about it. Okay, so my donation to my crowdfunding campaign was I bought a $100 ad mm. for the week. Right. And I spent a lot of time researching. I targeted it very specifically. It's been going on two days, and we've gotten probably 70 page likes from it. Mm -hmm. But that's... That's a hundred dollars just to get seventy people to like your page so far. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll get over a hundred, maybe one fifty by Friday. But right. still, would you rather spend a hundred dollars to buy a five day ad or spend the day painting a cover? Yeah, like I said, you're you're giving something anyway, and that's money that your entity earned in some way, shape, or form in the first place that right. it then gave back. The idea of people promoting themselves through Facebook or Instagram with paid advertising has always seemed very strange to me. Um, if you have a product or a push, it might be worth that advertising. But on that scale, you're competing with not 
just the niche or the industry that you were already in, you're now competing with everyone. And I do mean everyone. Right. I saw an, a, an Amazon advertisement on my Facebook the other day. Do you really think that you stand any chance of out selling, uh, of out buying Amazon on ad space? Cause you don't. It's tough. People are going to see your ad and you're right. If you have a product or something physical or real that's attainable, then you have a better shot. But I've never understood artists, and I've seen him talk about it, buying ad space on Facebook because A, they don't have the capital to compete, and B, you're advertising your art page. Who's going to click on it? Right. It has to be something sellable or something they can immediately... You know, you learn in, in school something that should always, in papers or in speech writing, something that you should use in your daily life, which is some sort of actionable approach. Uh, I don't want to go too much behind the scenes here, but whenever I email people to be on the podcast, I make sure a hundred percent that their only actions at the they they have to give an action, and their only actions is either yes or no, because these people are very busy, just like everyone else in the world, and they want something they can do simply and effectively. And that's saying yes, yes or no. It needs to be actionable. Don't and just say like my page because they can do that <laughs> and then never care about you anymore. The other side of that coin is um, this is something I encountered as a nonprofit was looking at advertising. I had to stop and think, well, if I buy up a bunch of advertising space, well, are people going to think they're buying ad space? What, why do I need to give them money? And with an artist, I can totally see the same situation where they say, this artist is doing well enough. He can buy ad space. Why should I support him? Yeah, there's some things where that like that might be true in a home setting where you're sitting there. Usually people don't, don't think about, you're thinking about advertising. The people looking at that ad are not going to be thinking about advertising or the means behind why they buy things. It's the same reason that a booth at a convention works if you do it right, because people in the moment of purchasing don't actually think about those things. It's like, otherwise I might walk up to buy something from a store and then think, oh, I don't need to give this thing my money. They, they have enough money to, to be in Walmart. I don't know. Well, Walmart's different. It You can... Okay, what you're saying is valid. You can totally subvert that by having a product that uh, totally takes that original impulse over by the, by the need or want of it. Right. You know, why do you buy... Why do you buy Trisket over Ritz crackers? Because one of those aligns with your personal beliefs more, whatever that is. Maybe it's the colors. Maybe it's your reaction to it. I don't know. It's it's always reaction and action. There's a sustainable, there's a it's huge difference between both of those crackers. That's another, yeah, and it goes to different <laughs> people, right? They're selling to different people, and they're where, they're, one thing I want to jump on is like, we talk about competing with Amazon or other people with ad space. A company like Amazon has statisticians that they've hired that from looking at hundreds of millions or having programs that look at hundreds and millions of pieces of data, they know before they put an ad in the water, they know how many people it's going to reach and how many people are going to click. They know within a reasonable estimate what's going to happen. They're not oh doing gosh. anything for, for, for random. 
No. But you are. You don't have the time to sit there <laughs> or or the money to spend to buy this amount of data to know like, okay, I need to make my ad red because if I make it red, 30% more people will deal with it. And if I pick 25 as the age group, that'll reach 100,000 people. And then the amount of these people that like red, you can't break that down. You don't have the ability to do it. No, not at all. I, I spend a lot of my day looking at analytics, but even then what I do is very basic for the for the typical person who is totally unintroduced to ads, and if you need another reason not to buy ads on Facebook, here you go. You it takes infinite research to understand how that system works, and then hours sifting through data if you have it set up to be tracked to know how to target, when to target, blah blah blah. There's a yeah, you you hit on a good point. You you can't. Okay. I'll, I'll cap that off with, with asking a question. If you personally knew the amount of 25-year-olds that existed in the country and how many of them their favorite color was red, your ad couldn't your advertising be infinitely more profitable? Yes. Is and there I any way for you to know that? that every day. Okay. And there's no way to know that, but I, I do know the ages. I know all the demographics of people that visit our website. Right. And That's why you got to I tie that in. But to everything that I do. But you're working within the bubble of people of data that you've collected. Places like Amazon work within things they can purchase from data collecting companies. Right. They can buy data. They can buy the kind of exactly what kind of data they need. Like if you think in this day and age that any ad that you see from a large company is in any way, if anything in there is random, I mean, even like how many dewdrops are on the Coca-Cola drink in this advertisement is to it's totally static statistics. Um, yeah, Gavin Valentine, who's a really amazing artist, wrote a uh, blog for the One Fantastic W, uh, One Fantastic Week website, and he hit on some things, but the most important one that I would like to say is, uh, the greatest, most profitable artists that I've ever seen are people who have a background in design or graphic design or marketing because those things line up so well. Uh, he talked about this thing of having like three to five words that you use that portray your brand and making sure that everything that you create from the things that you buy to like hold up your banners to the things that you paint to the paper you print on somehow matches those words mm. so like let's say you know my work could be uh classical uh realistic uh dark and if so then i know what my brand is and then i can even choose my color palette from that i can choose what kind of fabric i want to buy from that what my booth setup needs to look like and what i'm getting at is you can't afford the data Amazon can buy. The only thing you can control is what comes from within you and your space. And so you have to kind of do it. You can't look at what Amazon is doing and replicate it. It's impossible. Do it the other way around. Look within yourself, figure out what your brand is, and then market that to a great extent. It's what you're doing with High Hopes. You're looking at the interior data and then marketing it outward. Exactly. Rather than bringing people in. You're saying, look, we're high hopes. That's 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 the start. You're yourself. This is what we do. 
let me show it to you. Don't you want to give us money? That's just the four rings of outreach. Right. And the don't you want to give us money part is always the last. Uh, it's last and it's always left unsaid. Oh, yeah. People are really bad about saying, I'm really bad about saying, look, can't you buy this for me? <laughs> right. It's your work or your story or whatever it is needs to be able to speak for itself. I think a lot of people, the biggest thing that a lot of people get wrong is there's a you that's in the studio or a personal you that might be polite. But when you're promoting or selling a company or product, don't get that confused with that other you. If you're at a right. convention booth or at a store selling a product, you are selling a product. Don't confuse yeah. that with a museum or a friendship. <laughs> well, we, we're talking about promotion here and it can, it can be a little disenchanting at times, which is okay. Marketing promotion is going to take away the magic of some stuff. But as we encounter more people that want to be these independent artists that want to run their own business as artists, as illustrators, you have to take away some of the magic and you have to think about these things. Well, I mean, do what you're doing and then come back around and be friends. Like right. then show them the magic. Like, you know, if you're, if you're at the store selling something and somebody walks up and they're like, Hey man, are you free for coffee? You really want to be like, no, why are you asking me this? Please buy this CD <laughs> or, or always bring it back to buying the CD. And then afterward, maybe you're like, Oh, it's why, what's why asking for waitresses numbers are really bad. They have a job to do. Um, like I, I have a really good story about that. So I went to see my favorite band stars live. If you, if you want to look and really dive into the difference between the personal and private or the public and private life. Look at musicians. So I went to see my favorite band stars years ago and, you know, on stage they're doing their thing. There's actually no time for them to talk to you, but they have to approach the situation in a very personal way because everyone paid money to see them. It's a very direct thing there. So they're interacting with you while also performing their job. They're not singing this song for the first time. They know why they're singing that song. It's to make money and show it to you um, live. You paid to see them live, and that's what they're doing. After and they the played show, it, what? They played it the night before, the night before that, right. and the night before that. <laughs> yep. Um, and then after the show, I sought them out, and I hung out with them. Uh, a lot of people didn't do that. I was one of the only few people that... I, I notoriously seek artists out after the show. Um, and it's almost like talking to a different person. Their stage personality is so ridiculously different. And they're not trying to sell anything to you in that moment. Like, they've crafted their stage personality to only sell more tickets or, like, because they know vid people are videotaping it. You know, maybe they play a new song because they want you to buy the CD. When, I, when you see them behind the doors of the show, they're like, oh, hey, how are you? What do you do for a living? Thanks for coming to the show. Uh, it's just regular people talk. And I liked them for that, too. But anyway, yeah, that's my two story. <laughs> two sides of the coin. There's always two sides of the coin. Don't get them confused. If they'd have walked out on stage, looked at everyone and been like, hey, how are you guys doing tonight? What do you all do for a living? It would have been funny, and it also wouldn't have made them any everyone would have been like oh they never played any songs they just talked <laughs> to us the whole time 
We just had a real good hangout. <laughs> we had a good hangout. Not sure if I'll go again. <laughs> I didn't get to hear the songs. <laughs> or they could be terrible people. That's a, something that a lot of people need to realize is that your fans probably don't like you as a person. Well, when you're on stage, you're performing and people don't realize, like you sing, most a lot of artists, musicians perform more than just a the music. They're performing their character as well. Yeah. Like I, I don't even, you know, uh, yeah. I think a lot of people, uh, you you want to make them believe they like you as a person, but you actually have no idea who they are. I feel deep compassion for the Rock and what he's about and represents for me. I I have no idea who he is in person, but I don't actively feel that right now. I don't feel that disconnect, even though I have no idea who he is. Some people are really good about that. Some people yeah. understand that celebrities are just celebrities. They're just people, man. We're all just people. You want to give me a, a rant on currency? Because I want to give one. Oh, yeah. Just say your thing. So I don't know if how you many... read back what you wrote. <laughs> I can do that. I don't know how many people have even heard about currency yet. I didn't hear about it until our group posted it. But it's a new... Instagram-like social media platform, apparently, that is tip-based. And I'm not sure how that's right. going to work out, but you buy tokens in whatever currency you have. You buy these tokens. They're worth half a penny, which seems insane to me. And you're able to tip whoever you want. So it's a, it's a visual platform where you post pictures. All users post the pictures art. I guess it's really tailored towards creatives. And then if you like their work, you can tip them for that work that they do. And then initially, you can't comment or share on anything until you've tipped at least 3,000 tokens, which is roughly $15. And beyond right. that, who knows what the model is because there's nothing really displayed about that. But I think this is such a ludicrous idea, and it's going to crash and burn immediately. No, it's not. Because you're going to have, they like I said, they... It's a well set up thing. Like the, I haven't actually looked at the site, but it looks like their graphic design and user interface is pretty much is 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 solid for what it is. Pig um, on a lipstick, a lipstick on a pig, Freudian slip. It's great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> user interface. Anyway, so lipstick on a pig. Um, like I said before the show, I think that the people in charge of Vero. And the people in start in charge of currency are very they they've run the numbers. They had they hired a statistician and they were like, hey, uh, how many people can I expect to jump onto this? And all they need to do is get that first $15 from people before the people realize that it's all useless. Oh, all yeah. Zero needed to do was keep people on there until everyone paid them a dollar. Because they ran the numbers and they know this is how much it's going to cost us to set this site up, and this is how much we're going to get from it. They're not losing any money. That's they're gaining the, money. It's the startup dream. And and uh, they're, they're gaining uh, money that they don't have to work for. They throw it out there and get money back. Exactly. I just want to dissuade as many people from this as possible because there's no... 
you can't compete with Facebook or Instagram if you don't do something radically different. And no. yes, this is radically different, but it's not social media because you pay for it. And our no. definition of social media because of Facebook is it's something that's provided. I looked at the numbers this morning and I'm, I might, the creative job, the creative economy, the creative job market in America is about 10%. That's featuring designers, art directors, editors, writers. So the illustration or actual painting, photography, fine art mix is probably, I would assume, roughly 3 to 4% of that. So you're only about 4% of the job market here. And who knows what that even represents of the total population. I couldn't find numbers on that. So you are, you're not even a minority at that point. You're, you're not even an iota. The things that you like and appreciate in your sense don't represent the whole at all. <laughs> no, I don't think in any case it does. And so, well, that's true. <laughs> so maybe I'm getting too much on a tangent here. But like, the reason that I looked that up is because pretty much every creator that I've talked to or looked at, every time something seems to go wrong with Facebook, they're like, oh, is this it? Is this finally when we don't have to deal with Facebook algorithms anymore? And I really can't stress enough how wrong that idea is. Facebook's capable of doing things that you're with your business that you could not possibly do on your own and couldn't have done it. You know, back in the eighties, you had to print your portfolio out, find at mailing addresses and send it out to people or, or fly or drive or walk to wherever you wanted to go. Right. Um, to talk to someone, write actual letters, but like, man, Facebook's really changed all of that. The, the fact that anyone wants to go away is kind of strange. Yeah. They, de they definitely do some things poorly, but I can't stress enough. My sister, doesn't know any of that. She's an active, my sister and aunt are, are active art buyers uh, in their communities and online. My sister definitely online. And she has no idea what ArtStation is and she'll never go to ArtStation. And that's really all there is to that. She's only buying things that line up with the things she's using, which are Facebook and Instagram. And despite yes. the hearings that uh, a lot of people don't know this, Mark Zuckerberg's stock went up. He made $6 billion sitting in that room talking to that committee. Six billion dollars, and while that was happening, there was such a boost in Facebook user. Anytime something's happening in the world, whether it's Mike Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, or bombing Syria, Facebook blows up. It's not going anywhere. People avidly use it. I actually think someone could, could threaten to kill your family on Facebook, and you'd still post something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not you. I know that was a bit of a reach, but you you did good. I think that anyone that's not succeeding on Facebook, they the way they want to cannot blame Facebook for that. No. There are if you don't have a large following, that's because you don't have a large following. That's all in your work and what you're doing online. And maybe it's not necessarily the quality of your painting, but just your efforts in getting your work out there. Right. Let's be clear. Marvel and Disney don't have to buy ad space on Facebook. No, everyone knows. You can't. They do. They do it so they can generate more profit. But they don't need it. They just do it. That that comes from, that's again, they have the ability to work from the outside in. You can't do that. Uh, someone told me at the last convention, why would you 
put your name on something that's an ad, no one knows who you are. <laughs> put your best piece of art on it. Absolutely. Like, anyway, all these things that are marketing to creatives are just trying to leech your money. It's ridiculous. Uh, we're not going to know what the next platform is. I, I deeply believe that. Oh, uh, that, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, yeah. Oh, that's a good point you make in that any artist shouldn't be looking like Vero. When you when you signed up for Vero, it was all artists. Any platform you go to that the majority of the population is artists, and you're an artist and you want to sell work or promote your own work, you're only going to be promoting it to other artists. A lot of people. Uh, a lot of people are really grateful for what Spectrum did. And it's it's getting an outreach to designers and more fine artists now, which can be a good thing. It was originally started for illustrators. Uh, besides that, Spectrum is totally self-contained. Um, it relies on the entrance fees that artists pay to get into their book uh, in order to publish. And then when it publishes, it relies on artists to buy it because once again, most of the time, if you're not in that industry, you have no idea what spectrum is and you're not going to buy it. Um, that's great for them. Uh, <laughs> it means that things like deviant art, art station outside of art directors who are in that industry and maybe looking into those things, none of these platforms are going to get you any money or any outreach. It's only going to connect you with other artists. Unfortunately, that's not incredibly useful as a business. As a person, it's invaluable. And you should still do it if it's something like ArtStation and it's free and available. But don't put stock into it. I'm making something like ArtStation. Yeah, are you going to announce that now on our last 13 minutes here? Yeah, why not? All right. I mean, we've been talking about it the entire time, so now let's talk about an art community where you can go. I'm making a website that has the image press, the gal user gallery functionality of ArtStation, and then the classic discussion forum um, software that every forum you've ever been on in the history of the internet uses. You've got the old CG Hub out thing, right? It's, it's basically um, all that right. stuff. Yeah. Right. It's basically like that. So it's going to be a forum, a discussion forum with art topics, all for artists. And it's going to range from, you know, just your general how was your day discussion to critique section to traditional medium section, business, conventions, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And each user is going to have their own profile with their own um, art gallery. Their portfolio is going to be there. They can upload as many pictures as they want, share it, post it to the forum. Um, all of that. So the user functionality is going to be seamless between the two sides of the website. That's My, only going to be an art community, right? You're not right. looking for any outreach. No, no art outreach, no promotion. I'm looking for an art community where artists can go get outside of Facebook. You know, there's the one fantastic week group. There are a lot of great groups on Facebook for artists, but you have to scroll through the endless right. feed. You can't easily find a discussion and then there's no way to keep up with it. With the, with the classic forum, it's there's a hierarchy. You can find what you want. There's a search function. And then I want to take away all of the BS from social media as far as stuff you don't want to see <laughs> as an artist and have honest, open discussion, critiques, advice, everything with artists right in one place where we can all go and just have that community. You're making a well-organized forum that also has your page on it. <laughs> 
Right. It'll have a portfolio and maybe for people that can't afford a website or whatever, they can link to their portfolio on there. That'll just be a bonus. I like the idea of taking away the news feed. The news feed is very good for keeping people on a site, but the idea that you can go onto a forum and have just like active discussions without any, and that's all you're going to have is that discussion about what you're talking about is, uh, is good. It's a centering that I think we need. Well, I really want to encourage, I don't want to encourage brainless scrolling, you know? I want people to go there with purpose to actually discuss and critique art mm -hmm. and brainstorm and collaborate. And that's when we hit them with the ads, dude. That's when we drop the ad campaign. The ads, all nothing but ad campaigns. We're going to be rich. No, I'm going to have ads. a... The header is going to be all ads, uh -huh. left sidebar, right sidebar, footer. I feel like we can fill up at least 80% of the space without giving people seizures. So I'm not going to have any ads. No ads. I'm paying for this out of pocket. I'm using Amazon Web Services to set it up. So I'm kind of, I'm working from scratch with a, with a, <laughs> Ubuntu mm. web server through Amazon. So it's mm. taking a little more time, but I get a lot more functionality than I would using any other platform. And I like the idea that you're creating a nonprofit website for artists. I think that's something, I think that we all, the biggest reason people don't like Facebook is because it's become a place where you feel like you need to give and give and give because of your business and your name and your art. And there's that pressure that it's just not giving back and it just keeps making money off of you and what you're doing, but you're not making money and taking all of the money out of that and saying, this is, you know, it, it's something that could be fully fed off of something off of like Patreon or a donation push. It could be Wikipedia for artists, but with a discussion forum, you know? It's perfect. And I, it's like on Facebook, you see all these artists hiding in groups and mm -hmm. you know, you've got to go off to these places and the groups are great, but we need the structure, the function and a real home base where you can go to. I hear, you know, Alex and I were talking the other day that we need to produce some sort of mainstream freelancer blog because I hear in small groups every day or, or experience things that people just need to know. Like if I go online and look up like, um, what's the best banner to use on my website or at my booth or, or in my store? Like there's so many things about that that don't adhere to what I'm trying to do. It would just be nice to be able to have a place to search that in that niche. Yes. And maybe this won't be a blog, but I feel like that's a question I won't ask in my forum. Oh well, yeah, forums were always about people saying things and then other people commenting. And so here we'll have the artist community of people who go to conventions and do all of that work and we'll actually be able to have that discussion. But you'll also be able to have that cross connection of fine artists. Yes. And designers, hopefully. See, that's where I'm happy to have it all kind of mingle where these Facebook groups are very specific where this this can cover art from top to bottom. Right. It needs to mingle without being compressing. Like, so, sometimes I hate looking at art books or art magazines because it's like, ugh, this is all going to be fine art and it doesn't really matter to me the things they're talking about. But I would love the opportunity to jump onto the fine art, or, or sorry, the uh, traditional art forum 
or the design art forum and look up uh, 10 best fonts that you guys feel or Perfect. what's the actual best oil medium. Yes. And it sounds great about it. Uh, it needs to be a place where professionals can have discussions. So we're looking at that coming the 1st of May. All right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm tentatively excited. And I think that it's something that when you, especially right now with the atmosphere that things are in, I think it's, it's an exciting, uh, exciting horizon. But I've always had the idea. It's just seen all of these Facebook posts about, Oh gosh, I'm so sick of Facebook. Zuckerberg's evil. I want to leave. Well, it's time to take action. Right. Create an actual, like, not use Facebook or a group. Create a forum where people can go to have their personal life or, or their art life. And then create Facebook. And then just leave Facebook for the business side of things. If you don't like something, do something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the show. That's it. It's been an hour. Does it feel like it's been an hour? Not at all. This is a uh, this is a prime bear and Allen discussion here. This is what we sound like when we drink, talk to each other on the phone. It really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's neat that last week we were both exhausted. I uh, I'm hitting the ground running on three separate commissions that popped out of nowhere, and uh, well, not well, one of them isn't a commission, but um, it's neat. I feel like we were exhausted because we were looking to work on the horizon, but when we're in the thick of it doing work, we're excited, we're thought we're thoughtful, we're thinking. I I heavily advocated to a lot of people this morning from my girlfriend to my friends that uh, the only way to actually be happy is is to continuously work for something and go to bed exhausted. I won't disagree. I'll say while I was planning all of this, the crowdfunding, the website, my current art projects, I was tired, like you're saying, like last week. I was just, ugh. But now that I'm in the thick of it, there's so much energy and so much happening. I can't stop. Thought takes away more energy than people think it does. That's another reason that I would be... That's, that's why I backed off social media for a while. I felt like I was putting... Even though it doesn't feel like it, you end up putting a ton of emotional and, and anxious anxiety uh, effort into that. And it takes away from your energy toward working on art. And that's not the goal. The goal isn't to, to have so little energy from Facebook you can't work on art. No. And we talked about promotion a lot and how hard it is, but it's really not that hard. Just paint and put it out there consistently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love what you said this morning. What did you say? It's like, if you don't have a following, it's because your work's not actively connecting with a community of people. or Right. I, I, I think I, ha I have it in a tab right here. It said, if what you do is good enough and relevant to a population of people with an honest message, you will create a following. There are no tips, tricks, or trends. I like that. I like that a lot. People like... Uh, People like Donato, who we had on the show, became who they were totally outside of the internet, which is pretty neat. Did I think I like that's you? what everyone did on the show. This is true. Just become, you know, there's no tips, tricks, or trends. Remember, there was a point where 
everyone was like, oh, if I could just get this easel or this brush and everyone was spending a lot of money. And then the more you grow, you realize that that actual art growth comes from technique and passion rather than anything that you actually have on you or in your studio or where you're painting or, and now I feel like you slowly learn that, uh, there's no tips or tricks to, to being successful at art. You just, just kind of do what you do. No, that's exactly right. Ignore everything. Ignore us. Keep your head down and work. <sighs> Get back to work. If you like what you heard today, if you have any questions, comments, critiques, if you want to be on our show, if you want us to talk about something, you can find us at hangingoutpodcast at gmail.com. You can pop up on our Facebook page or group, which has seen very little activity lately. I really need to change that. Hanging Ooh. out with Baron Allen recently changed to hanging out. We have a Patreon. We're going to keep doing this thing for free. If you want to give us a bucket episode, that would be great. But we'll Alan be Morris. here hanging out alamorrisart.com I'm Bear Isles, bearislesart.com Let's go get a drink. See you next week. Time for dinner. Bye.